Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard. Hi, this is Chris Shepard. Just a disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only. They should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments, or take any other actions. Thank you and enjoy the show. Today, Jeremy Goodrich will be joining us. He is the owner of Shine Insurance Agency and the host of the REI Clarity Podcast. We will be talking about how the coverage is determined for each asset class and the importance of having liability coverage insurance. He also shares the pros and cons of different policies applicable for multifamily properties and how they come up with insurance pricing. So let's welcome Jeremy Goodrich. All right. Today we've got Jeremy Goodrich with us. He's host and producer of the REI Clarity podcast and also owner of Shine Insurance Agency. Jeremy, you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. AJ and Chris, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to chat. So I really started this, I was a school teacher before anything else. I taught elementary school for 13 years. And at some point I met my wife and now business partner. She's been in insurance for three generations. Her grandpa started an agency, then her dad bought him out. And and then she was working at his agency when I met her. And at some point we said, we were both kind of ready for a change. And we said, can we address some of the things that we don't like about this industry, some of the sort of ugliness on this side, and really help to explain it to people, make it easier for folks, and hopefully at least a little bit elevate the insurance side of the world. So we started Shine Insurance in 2013. And since then, I've always been connected with real estate. I started working with first-time homebuyers and they would ask me insurance stuff, but then they would ask me like what a closing looks like and what an escrow period is and what's an appraiser and an inspector and how do I find the right realtor and how do I find the right lender? And I started answering all these questions for folks, mostly by going and asking someone else what the answer was. Long story short, I ended up recording a lot of these conversations with realtors and lenders and, and everyone else. That's what's brought us to a YouTube channel that has over 13,000 subscribers right now and is the largest independent agency channel on YouTube. That evolved kind of from first-time homebuyers into real estate investors. And that's kind of how we end up talking here in this conversation today. For the last few years, I've been really focused on commercial real estate. It's all I do on the insurance side. So I talk to real estate investors with all size portfolios of really all asset classes across the country every single day. That is the long version of the story. I hope that was enough. Yeah, that is fantastic. So it sounds like you know insurance inside and out. And this is great because I have a ton of pain points when it comes (laughs) to my insurance. We've been switching most of all of our insurance over to American Family because they have a great multifamily product. But previously, we were just kind of going, we started out with Allstate. And, you know, I think we hit their five property limit pretty early on. And so we've got five policies with Allstate. And then we're having to go into like the next level of somebody who's like an insurance provider that's willing to take a little more risk on a real estate investor. And so 
I think then we got another 15 or 20 policies with foremost. And then foremost is like, oh, we're getting a little too much liability here. You know, we're going to start charging you a lot of money for all of your policies now. So then we started getting some from Safeco. And then we were approached by an insurance broker who said that she would solve all of our problems. And now we have all of these different policies and they all end like at different times during the year. And it is just like, you know, a nightmare for my assistant because we're constantly getting cancellation notices and like they won't accept credit cards or auto payments and our insurance agent is like your portfolio is a mess and you know, it's going to take a lot of work for somebody to do it and we're not getting paid enough to clean up your portfolio. (laughs) This is terrible. Well, let me break down a couple of things and make this a little bit more clear for you because it does sound like one, it is a mess. And two, you're in the mix with probably 80% of other real estate investors out there in the experience that you're having with insurance. So the first part of what you said brings me to the two different ways you can purchase insurance. The first is through a captive provider. And the second is through an independent agent. A lot of your policies sound like they're through a captive provider, an American family, an Allstate, a State Farm, the folks who have football commercials. These are folks who only work with their own company. It's one company and that's what they offer. And so for home and auto, that can be great. For a couple of single family homes or duplexes or even quads, maybe that makes sense. But in a lot of ways, you know, they run out of options. And there's two things you said that are two of the reasons that I think working with them as a multifamily commercial real estate investor can be a problem. And the first is they only have the one option, right? And the second is they're going to put every single property you have on a separate insurance policy, which means if you've got 50 properties, you've got 50 insurance policies. So the first way is captives. And that's one way to purchase insurance. And I'll come back to that, the solution to all these policies in a second. But let me just give you the second way to buy insurance. And that is with an independent insurance agent. That is what we are at Shine. In general, as you grow bigger in multifamily, whether you sort of want to or not, you kind of end up having to go to the independent side because of exactly what you just said, Chris. Independent agents have access to companies that are willing to take on more risk. So I have access to, I really have 10 primary companies, but I have access to over 100. So when I talk with you about your portfolio, I'm thinking in my head, okay, how can I solve this problem for you, the investor, and solve it for you in a way that makes the most sense for you? So to me, an independent agent is always better because they're going to go out and make companies compete instead of you having to figure out, well, is it, is it American Family that's going to be the better option because they're really good at multifamily or is it Foremost because they'll do a larger schedule of uh, single family homes and I've got a lot of single family homes or is it Allstate? You know, you're having to be the knowledgeable person about insurance and while my client's I do expect them to have some understanding of insurance. I don't expect them to be the expert. That's my job. So I think between captive and independent, one of the things that can solve your problem is independent. The other way of doing it is simply getting a commercial real estate policy. Now, I don't need to get way in the weeds on that unless you want me to, Chris, but you know, your problem can be solved with one insurance policy that has 30 properties on it. And 
25 of those are single family homes and five of those are eight unit multiplexes and one is a 55 unit hotel. I mean, there are policies that can handle the entire picture. And to me, that is option number one. So that kind of streamlines. it sounds like what that independent agency person is trying to do for you, right? She's saying, hey, let's see what we can streamline here. Let's see if we can get everything on one policy. Now, she's not going to make enough money to do that. That's crazy. And I don't even get that. I don't understand that at all. There is, you know, a lot of people ask me, okay, how do you make money? Because that is a question, right? Like I I send you a quote and it's $30,000 and I don't tell you how I make money. I'm not a lawyer. You don't know that you're paying me like an hourly amount. And it's, it's commission. So we usually make about 10 to 13% of whatever the premium is. So I just said a lot of things in a small little package, but let me know what made sense and what didn't there. Yeah, I mean, quite a bit has made sense. We have like heard and looked into what it would take to get that one single policy. But looking at that, it seems to me, or just based on the quotes we've seen, that it would be, you know, 20 to 25% more expensive. Right. And, you know, when a real estate investor is really focused on their cash flow, you know, having the pain of having a policy that is going to be a one-off when they're keeping an eye on their cash flow makes, you know, sometimes real estate investors will handle a small amount of pain just so that their investment stays, I guess, solvent. So why don't we back up a little bit? Like when you kind of approach a problem like that, especially like when we're getting quotes for new multifamily properties, like sometimes it's just even difficult getting quotes from other providers. Like it's kind of difficult, you know, just, just to see what someone else would charge. And, you know, so like, what, what does it take to actually get a quote from a provider on an investment property? That's a, a great question. So there's two different worlds and we've sort of hit on both. So when you're talking about single family, even large schedules of single family, large, you know, a whole bunch of single family, sort of one conversation. And when you're talking about multifamily, it's a little bit of a different conversation. So I'll go into the multifamily. When you're asking an advisor to get a quote for you, let's say for a hundred unit property, there's a couple of things to think about. The first is asking for insurance agents to do that is really a waste of everyone's time and a bad idea. And I'll tell you why. In the commercial real estate space, the insurance advisors can block a market. And what that means is they can go to an insurance company and they can stop anyone else from using that insurance company. Most of us that specialize in commercial real estate have most of the same companies, the companies that are willing to do apartment complexes. And there are fewer and fewer because the last 13 quarters in a row, insurance companies have lost money on apartment complexes. So insurance companies are getting killed. They're starting to bag out. We're seeing fewer and fewer options which means when you go to an agent and say, hey, I've got 150 unit or 100 unit, who are you going to work with? I've got 10 or 12 companies that I'm going to and every other guy on the block that is specialized in multifamily has access to those same companies. So when you come to me or you go to someone, they're going to block everybody else from those markets anyway. So the first person you so tell... When yeah, you say yeah. block, what does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to work exclusively with that provider or I think it's that they're going to work exclusively with that broker. 
right? Like it, it, you're, you're, you're acting as an independent broker and you're going to be the intermediary between you and the investor and the insurance company. So if you're going to yeah. go out to quote for these 10, 15 insurance companies, they're only going to quote once to one broker. They're not going to really quote to the other brokers that come and ask them for a quote. Exactly. It would get confusing if they were making quotes for four different people and coming up with pricing and doing all the work, frankly. So, you know, if you come to someone first, they're going as a broker, they're going to go to their 10 best companies or their four best companies or whatever it is, and they're going to block anyone else from using those companies. So to have four different brokers going out there looking for options for you doesn't really make sense to me. You find an advisor who you trust, who you want to work with, who you believe is, has your best interests in mind, who can explain things well, and you ask them to go out and make the companies compete for your business. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So you asked me the question of why it takes so long to get a quote. I want to answer that question, but that kind of is the first step, right? Knowing that, right? Yeah, well, it just like, what does it take? You know, I mean, when we're getting quotes from our independent insurance advisor like she is wanting to know tons of different stuff about each property and it just is like pretty difficult to even navigate it and it's it's time consuming because of all of the nuanced requirements well i think you want to work with someone who can answer a lot of questions themselves there are some things that i can't answer i don't know how old a roof is necessarily on a property but if I'm asking you like when that house was, when that property was built or, you know, a lot of the other questions that I can answer myself, then that's wasting your time. So I think on that question, a good, a good broker that has access to some of the proprietary systems that are out there doesn't ask a ton of questions. They ask the questions they need answers to because they know they can't find it anywhere else. So, you know, our, our motto is simple, smart, shine. So we want to make the process simple to get a, a smart insurance policy. It's not always 100% simple. I have to ask some questions. If you say you're purchasing a property built in 1972, I've got to ask you whether there's, there's aluminum wiring there. Because I don't know, I have no way of knowing whether that wiring has been updated. And if you say there is aluminum wiring in there, 90% of my options just disappeared. So I have to ask some questions, but I need to only be asking the ones that are necessary that I can't find myself. And that is our system inside of our agency is to ask as few as possible without glossing over important things. So the timeline, you know, we turn around and we go to insurance companies and we ask them for quotes. So we only have control of so much time with some companies, Liberty Mutual being one, Travelers being another, Guard, some of the, sort of the top three that I think are serving multifamily units across the country right now. All of them have automated systems and I do have some control over the timeline. I can get you a quote in four or five days if you need it. Notice I said four or five days was the shortest timeline. That's important to say. If you need it tomorrow, I mean, I probably could pull it off, but I wouldn't be in, like if you were a client of mine, I probably could pull it off, but it's, it's, it's going to be very, very time consuming. What happens more often is I have to fill out a bunch of applications, send them via email to an insurance company underwriter and wait for that person to get back with me with a quote. I am in their control. Once I have handed it over to them, I can egg them on. I can ask them how things are going. I can check in with them every couple of days, but ultimately I don't have that proposal until they deliver it to me. 
So it can take, I think a week is really the shortest timeline you should expect. And a couple of weeks is, is really what it takes a lot of the time because the last part, Chris, I'm sorry, I know I'm saying a lot. The last part then is then I start to make the companies work. So once I have the quote, then I say, you know, your quote is $30,000. I just got some, one from somebody else. It's 25. Can you get 25? Okay. You can get down to 25. Now we're talking. They have a little bit better coverage than you. Can you get that coverage better? So I start working the game and I need a few days to work the game. So if you need it really fast, then I've got to show you the number I got first without pushing them down on price. So there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes to get you that quote. And it really does take a week to two weeks to make that happen. Can we dig in a little bit into coverage? Like I have, well, at least on like single family, I think it's like DP1 and DP3 and some information like that. But what, like, how do you determine the difference in coverage that you're getting and what do you suggest for real estate investors? I think one of the most important things you can do, it's sort of like when you decide to join a GP team or bring somebody on your team to take down a syndication or, or a big multifamily. What do you do? You find the people you trust, you put them in the role that you want them to be in, and then you work together to make that happen. So I'll answer your specific question. But in the end, it's like, do I trust the insurance advisor I'm working with? And if they're like, when I say, look, I'm not going to send you a crap policy, like crap policy doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, it means nothing. But there's something to be said for someone who says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you quality and do it at the best price I can. Some of the most important things to think about when it comes to coverage is one, the building coverage, right? Like, will it replace the building or not? That's kind of number one. Number two would be like, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds on language, but like ACV coverage, have you heard of that, AJ? So there's replacement cost, cost. replacement. Yeah, so there's replacement cost policies, and then there's policies called ACV. So here's the difference. Your roof has hail damage, and it's on a you know 100-unit multifamily complex. It's a $2 million roof. It's going to need to be completely replaced, and you have a $10,000 deductible. So you should have a $1.9 million one nine nine, you know, one nine million nine hundred thousand dollars paid out by the insurance company to replace those roofs. If you have replacement cost coverage, that's what's going to happen. If you have ACV coverage, they're going to say, "Well, the roofs were ten years old, and so we're going to depreciate for the age of the roof, and so we're going to take half of that value off. We're going to pay out, you know, one point two million instead of one point nine you're going to have to come up with the other $700,000. That's the difference between replacement cost and ACV. One actually pays what it would cost to replace the thing, and the other depreciates for the age of the roof. You can't go out and buy a 10-year-old roof and replace your damaged roof with that 10-year-old roof. That's not how it works. But that's how the payout works when you have ACV. So that's another coverage thing. I think those are the big ones. And AJ, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was. I believe that is isn't there like DP one or DP two, DP three, like and those kind of they're kind of standard amongst different like insurance companies. Am I? This is at least what we've heard from our advisor, and I've I've learned a little bit about it. But I think that it's probably 
as landlord policies for maybe one to four units, you know, there's these classifications and there's possibly some significant differences in, in actual coverage for each of them. Huge differences, huge differences. So the bottom line is you want DP3, you do not want DP1. <laughs> so that's the bottom line. The reason is these, these differences, these numbers, which is DP1, DP2, DP3. It's what bad things are covered. So insurance policies are all about covering for bad things that happen, right? But in the insurance policy, there's things that are covered and things that aren't covered. So a DP1 is called a basic policy. It covers 11 named things. Now, some of these you would think, you know, makes sense. A fire is covered. A tornado or wind is covered. You know, things of that nature are covered on that basic policy. The biggest thing left out on a basic policy, and Texas just experienced this in a terrible way recently, is frozen pipes. So burst frozen pipes, not covered by a DP1 policy. It's included on a DP2 and a DP3. So again, these are acronyms that are inside the insurance world and nobody listening to this podcast cares about the acronyms. What you care about is if a bad thing is covered or not. And if you have that first DP1, some bad things are covered, but only 11. There's, you know, nothing else is covered. If it's not one of those 11 things, it's not covered. If it's a DP2, there's 16 things that are covered. The biggest thing that gets added is frozen or burst pipes. You know, so that's one of the things that got added in DP2. And then DP3 is the hardest to explain, but essentially it's the best kind. It simply says, if it's not excluded specifically, it's covered. So it shifts the definition of what's covered from these 16 things to, well, anything that's not excluded. So elephant comes in and sits on the side of your house and breaks your wall in, covered, you know, because there's nowhere in the policy that says it's excluded. And so DP3 or special coverage, as that's described as, is the best kind because now the definition is simply, is it excluded? If the answer is no, then it's covered. So when you're balancing the, I guess, the cost, that policy versus one that has less coverage versus having no insurance at all, like... You know, do you know anyone who self-insures or know anyone who, you know, maintains a massively high deductible when it comes to saving on those costs? Yeah, I have a client in my portfolio that has five, six thousand dollars, six thousand units, all mostly single families, duplexes, all less than four unit properties and has enough in their asset base that they don't have property coverage. What they do have is liability coverage. And in my opinion, no matter what your asset base is, no matter how much money you have, no matter how many properties you have, going without liability coverage is a huge mistake. And liability coverage covers for when bad things happen to other people because of you or your property. So there's a party on a back porch of your property and the the porch collapses or someone slips on a the steps. I'm dealing with a claim right now where a tenant slipped on the ice of the parking lot doing, during an icy day and was injured, had some injuries. We're helping to address that. Liability coverage, the reason it's so important is you just have no idea what the number is. If your single family home burns down, you just lost $200,000. You're going to have to rebuild it for $200,000 or whatever it is, right? If someone hires a personal injury attorney, the sky is the limit. It's just impossible to know 
what that person is going to try and get out of you. And if it's all coming out of your pocket, the lawyer costs and everything else, then it could just continue to tap, tap, tap at whatever your entities are and be a huge mess. Whereas I've got another claim going on right now. I checked in with the client after a month or so of, of the claim going on and said, hey, you, have, you know anything? And they said, no, have, absolutely haven't heard anything. And so I said, well, I'll go look and see what's going on. Tons of things happening with lawyers and all this stuff back and forth. Client has heard nothing about it. And that's a really good thing. Think about that. All those things that you would have had to been doing yourself and paying for yourself and dealing with lawyers yourself is just happening with the insurance company. And you don't even necessarily know it's being dealt with because it's just taken care of. Yeah, it sounds like liability insurance is an absolute must for any investor. When an investor has multiple different companies, how would, I mean, does each company need specific coverage under that liability policy? Is, is that something where each company just gets named in that policy? Or how exactly do you write that so that there is coverage for, I guess, each asset or each limited liability LLC. company? That's a great question. There, you can do it two ways. One, you can decide as an investor, look, I don't want all these things combined in any place. I've separated for them for a reason. I want this veil separate for a reason. I want separate insurance policies for every single LLC that I have. I have clients that do that. It totally makes sense to me. It's fine. It's usually a little more expensive to do it that way but makes sense. The other way to do it and what a lot of my clients, especially the larger multifamily clients who have lots of units, most of them are, you know, 150 unit complex here, a 200 unit complex here, something like that, is that we name each LLC as an additional named insured on one insurance policy and we add each property to it. So it's as if everything is in one entity, but we have named each separate entity on that policy. The pro of that is it streamlines everything and makes it easier, just like we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. The con of that is that if in a liability scenario, a personal injury attorney sues multiple LLCs, the limits of the policy have to be split between those LLCs instead of having a separate limit for this LLC a separate one for this LLC, a separate one for this LLC. So when you do it that way, you need to carry higher liability limits to reflect that. But I like that second way. I think it streamlines everything. And then someone can just call me and say, hey, I just picked up a, or I'm looking to pick up a 150 unit. I just submitted an LOI. Will you give me a ballpark number? And then once we get closer to closing, they just tell me who their lender is. And the two of us work together to make sure that it's all taken care of at closing. We didn't have to do all the process that we go through to get a, a new quote every single time. Very interesting. So let's, let's jump into pricing or the cost of insurance. Is, sure. To, to me, it seems like you know, these insurance underwriters are looking into a crystal ball and coming <laughs> up with a magic yeah. number or they're asking the magic eight ball, you know, should we charge this person X dollars? Right. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. Is there yeah. any rhyme or reason? Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever met an actuary and I've only met a couple, but if you ever met an actuary, an actuary is the person who makes the decision of what price an insurance company is going to charge, right? They work for an insurance company and they do all this crazy math stuff. The one actuary I know he's 
an in-law is the smartest person I've ever met. And don't play any card games with this guy because you're going to lose big. And don't play any card it, games it, with Chris either. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and so I've learned a lot about insurance pricing from, from him, really. And I can say without a question, there is no magic ball. This is not a, a number that just comes out of nowhere, although I agree that it feels like that, and I'm happy to dig into that. But these numbers are based very much on claim experience for a given type of thing. Now that zooms down even into zip code in a given space, type of property, whether it's joist and masonry or frame construction, you know, crime scores. So there are all these data points that absolutely create a very hard reason for insurance pricing. Having said that, especially in commercial real estate insurance, there is flexibility and that's what makes it feel like a magic ball. So an underwriter does have the ability to say, well, the main number came in at $500 a unit, but you know, I see that we've got uh, central alarms. I see that we've got a gated community. I see that we've renovated everything recently. I think that we can come down by you know, 10% or 20% based on those things and add essentially discounts. So it is, pricing is based on hard numbers and especially in multifamily, like I said earlier in the conversation, I mean, 13 quarters in a row, insurance companies have lost money on multifamily. And so we've seen prices go up because of that, not with every insurance company, but certainly with a lot of them. And that is those actuaries sitting in some back room, dark room somewhere, you know, with a little calculator, maybe with the paper spinning on the back of it figuring out the numbers that they need to adjust price to try and balance profitability with reasonable price so people will actually buy your insurance. Does your track record or any sort of like history come into play with, with I know like in personal it, it can, but like in commercial, is there, is there any sort of like track record that they take into contemplation? Insurance score or something like a credit score that's similar for insurance? Yeah. So, I mean, the track record I'd think of when you ask the question the most is like actually the property's track record. Now, again, this is back to commercial real estate, but let's say there's been a couple of claims at the property recently that can affect your price as the new property owner in the commercial real estate world, which is not true on the personal side. If there was a fire with the old owner and you buy that house, that doesn't affect your insurance rate. But when you get to commercial real estate, it, it does. As far as an insurance score, I mean, they're looking for, again, on the commercial insurance side, they're really looking for longevity of you as a business owner, almost more than anything else. Instead of an insurance score, they tend to look at, well, how long has he been a real estate investor? Like how many other properties are there that he's invested in? Is there a professional manager? Is there not? So they're sort of looking at the, the risk more than the person. Having said that, travelers in particular can use, like if I have your birthday and your home address, even though I'm quoting 150 unit in North Carolina and you live in California, I can get you a four or $5,000 discount based on your credit score. So there are some examples on the commercial real estate side where it, it does play in. But for the most part, they're looking at the property and the risk associated with that property more than you as a person. All right. Well, we are getting towards the end here. Chris, oh, I you... have one more question. 
question. One more. Okay. All right. So when you're getting quotes, how can it be that the prices are just so wildly different from one insurance provider to another? Like, I mean, you mentioned $500 a unit for multifamily, but like we, we pay significantly lower than that. And, you know, how can, you know, a company like CIG wants, you know, $400 a unit and then a company like American Family charge you $125 a unit. Yeah, I mean, I see clients, $125 a unit is pretty low. I'd want to look at that policy and make sure there's there's quality there. But yeah, I mean, I have anywhere between $200 a unit and then we just closed one on the coast of Louisiana that's almost $1,000 a unit. So, you know, as far as one of the factors there is certainly where it is, what the risk is. That's a, that's a f- almost vacant complex that is a huge heavy lift that's in a high wind, high hurricane area. I mean, that's one of the hardest properties to insure out there. So that's probably an extreme example. But different companies have different prices. One of the reasons they have different prices is they're kind of saying to you whether they want to insure it or not. So a lot of companies will come in at twice the price. I'll get a quote for twice the price another company has. And I'll be like, well, they obviously don't want to insure this. Now, why is probably where it is, or they've, they've had a lot of losses in that area. They're scared of hail, so they're scared of Toledo, Ohio. You know, did I get that right? Or I was thinking Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I said Toledo, Ohio. But anyway, insurance companies are telling you what they want and what they don't want with their pricing. If American Family has something for you that's $125 a unit and actually has decent quality coverage, they're telling you, they want to lose money. First of all, I don't know how they're doing that, but they're telling you that they are bullish on multifamily and they want to get in and they're going to bring their pricing down and get as much of it on their, their books as possible. And you'll probably see a 15, 20% increase next year, or, or maybe not. That is where it kind of gets magic bally. Again, it's all based on actual data points but those data points are also saying something. If the CEO of an insurance company says, I'm done with multifamily, we've had huge losses on it, let's just jack up our rates. And if anyone wants to buy it, okay, I guess they can pay that amount for it. But in, in essence, we're going to move on from it. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. Well, then let's hop into the last four questions. So I'll start it off with the first one, which is what's one piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self? I think that it's that there is no end to the journey. Like I feel like it's, I remember being 21 and saying, when I turn 25, I'm going to have it all figured out. <laughs> and I'm 44 right now. I still don't have it all figured out. You know, like I think that the best advice I would give to a 25-year-old self is that it is a journey. The journey is the entire story. And when you're 45, and I'm assuming when I'm 60, I'll still feel like I didn't get to some end of a journey. It is the journey. That's the experience. That's the fun part. That's what I would tell myself. Nice. I agree. You know, you better enjoy the ride because that's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, right? It's, yeah. I'm, and I'm just learning that. That's the, you know, and that's why you asked the question. It's like, what would I tell? I wish I would have understood that at 25. All right. What was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Oh my gosh. I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life. So I started when I was 12 almost 13 mowing lawns as so many people did. And I started with my dad's lawnmower and did a couple of yards. It didn't take me very long before I had one of the big walk behinds 
And I was still like 13 or 14, had a little sulky on the back, the thing you ride on, on the back of a walk-behind lawnmower. And I would just ride my lawnmower to the next neighborhood or wherever my, my you know, new experience thing was. I made a ton of money for a 14-year-old. I remember buying my girlfriend a little like diamond necklacey thing. I was, I was like 85 bucks or something like that. But I thought it was the biggest deal. So mowing lawns, actually, I had a lawn landscaping business pretty much all the way through till we, we started Shine in uh, 2013. Ooh, sorry about my dog, Wally, there. He is going crazy. <laughs> Somebody's coming by. <laughs> Very cool. That's a good age to start for sure. Next question. How has your formal and informal training shaped your journey? I just, you know, I mean, there's formal training about insurance. No one cares about that. I barely care about that. I, you know, it was like a week of class. My, the biggest training that I think I got is, is to be an, a teacher. Spending 13 years with eight to 10 year olds and explaining to them things, you know, I, I loved that age because I didn't have to teach them how to do something. Like when they're younger, I, I got to teach them how to love it. So I didn't have to teach them how to write a sentence. I got to teach them how to be an author. I didn't have to teach them how to read a sentence. I got to teach them how to love a book. And I didn't get, I didn't have to teach them how to do division. Actually, I did. Teaching them division, you know, third and fourth graders, you're teaching them math, right? And I think that was my best lesson in insurance because I was teaching them something that they didn't necessarily understand why they needed or like at all. And I had to make it interesting. I had to make it kind of fun. And I had to articulate the value of the thing. So I think that the training I experienced in the classroom with kids just every single day has an effect on how I perceive life and how I engage with, with clients and friends. That's awesome. It's yeah, always it's, it's great influence in the young and coming up and making sure that they've got hopes and dreams. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That was three, right? We got one more. Yeah, one more. Our final question. What was your Moby Dick of business or real estate or any opportunity that got away? The big opportunity that got away, boy, I almost want to make it a personal thing when I was younger. But, you know, of business, I don't know that there's some big opportunity that's got away. Like if there's any oppor- there's opportunities I haven't gotten, but I just don't feel like they're, they're away yet. I'm still in the boat chasing. I don't, I don't know that it's gotten away. I mean, you know, obviously in commercial real estate, there's a lot of big fish and I just feel like being a part of communities, coming and chatting on podcasts like this one, sharing how this weird insurance things works and trying to make it a little bit more tolerable than it was before. And then reaching out, I think on all levels of commercial real estate, no matter what you're doing, being willing to pick up the phone and call someone, being willing to text someone, being willing to figure out how you can add value, not just calling them and saying, hey, can I sell you some insurance? I've never had that work once, although I haven't really tried it very often. But, you know, like saying, hey, can I add this piece of value to you? And don't ask them what value they need. Figure out what value they need ahead of time and ask them if you can provide that value to them. And I guess I just feel like, you know, those big fish are out there and when we connect, it's going to be great. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Just a ton of awesome knowledge. And I did send you that insurance policy. So I look forward to your feedback. 
<laughs> Absolutely. So we do, you know, I, I do a, a very free policy review where I just send you what I see. So you'll get to see, have that experience. I'll record a video and just say, hey, here's what I see. Here's the pros. Here's the cons. You know, $125 is actually not that bad. I can't believe you got it for $125 a door. How did you do that? You know, I'll just lay it out, whatever it is, and, and we'll go from there. So I'm glad you sent it to me. I'll let you know what I think. Well, thank cool. you so well, much. Appreciate Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. If our listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, so we've got shineinsurance.com. That's our site and our space for the insurance side. And then REI Clarity, which we didn't talk about on the show, but is a podcast. I really believe there are nine action steps that every real estate investor can take to succeed in real estate, no matter their asset class, no matter their market in this journey. And so our podcast is really all about how to take those nine action steps and use them to find success in your journey. That's reiclarity.com. Cool. cool. AJ, good luck in your golf match. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks, Jeremy, for coming on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Maybe I'll go play some golf today. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I'm going to go back to trying to clear my sewer. It's going to be All right. a fun project. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.